The RTE payments controversy has been one of the stories of the summer. And as September approaches, it's still dragging on. But last week, new Director-General Kevin Backhurst showed a ruthless determination to put one aspect of the crisis to bed when he ended any chance of Ryan Tuberty, the star at the centre of the scandal, returning to his radio show. I would say he was shocked and disappointed. Um, uh, uh, it was a difficult conversation. And, uh, you know, I've always got on well with Ryan, but I took this decision because I have to be able to focus on rebuilding trust in this organisation, and I felt this was becoming a distraction. Well, hello, everybody. This is Tuberty, and we're here with you till 11. The decision ended a decades-long relationship. They have now identified Ned Kelly's remains at last. And removed a familiar and popular voice from the airwaves. Nice to talk to you again. Good to talk to you too, darling. But in the long run, Backhurst has a much bigger challenge to face. How to win more funding for RTE at a time when its reputation and political capital has never been lower. This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today, what does the future hold for Ryan Tuberty and RTE? I talked to Irish Times media columnist Laura Slattery. Laura, last Thursday, Kevin Backhurst, the RTE Director General, he went to the nine o'clock news and he said that he'd been in negotiations with Ryan Tuberty and that I felt we were in a good place. We had a core agreement for Ryan to come back. But that's not what happened. No, and I think the key phrase is that there was a breakdown in trust between uh, Kevin Backhurst and Ryan Tuberty. It seemed as though Ryan Tuberty disagreed with the RTE board's restating of his salary in 2020 and 2021. RTE sought clarity on what Ryan Tuberty meant by this. I understand from Ryan Tuberty's side that they uh, sought to provide that clarity this morning and also sought to make it clear that they were not uh, questioning the basis for the restating of those figures. Nevertheless, it's apparent that talks broke down, leading us to this position this evening where Ryan Tuberty will not be returning to air. Kevin Backhurst obviously had the support of other senior RTE executives who felt ultimately that Ryan Tuberty had not shown the requisite level of contrition as a result of this whole affair and that the statement that he'd issued in in response to the Grant Thornton report really just highlighted that it was raking over old coals. I think the really important thing for everybody is we now have the restated figures on people's salaries. It is completely um, counterproductive uh, for people to start questioning those stated salaries. And although they were very close we understand, to agreeing a deal. In terms of where the negotiations were at, was the plan to get him back on air immediately? The plan was to get him back on uh, on September the 4th, onto his show on on Radio 1, yeah. Onto his nine o'clock slot. Yeah, and also part of the deal uh, which was under discussion was about Ryan doing a podcast as well, yeah. For a sum of 170,000 a year, um, which is obviously quite a lot of money, but much less than Ryan Tuberty had been earning. That was almost about to be signed... And it didn't happen. Um, Backhurst uh, pulled the plug and that was it. He called Ryan Tuberty to let him know. And uh, he told us that Tuberty was shocked and disappointed by this. But it does have, I think, um, some upside for RTE because it will help us draw a line under the affair. Now, we haven't heard from Ryan Tuberty, of course. We have heard Backhurst at the time said that Ryan, as you said, was shocked and disappointed. But we haven't heard anything from Ryan Tuberty. No, he, you know, he, he's probably, I'm sure, going to come out at some point and give his side of the story. 
it's possible he he may have quite harsh words uh, for how he was treated. We don't we don't know that yet. We know that he had said several times over the summer that about how much he loved his job on radio, and certainly at the time when he was stepping down from the Late Late Show, it was never a suggestion that he ever wanted to stop doing radio. He I think he saw that as the bedrock of his post Late Late career, you know, from which he would then add on other things that uh, you know either within or or outside RTE and he would have that freedom but now he doesn't have that bedrock he doesn't have that slot and I'm sure it's quite a shock to him So Backhurst had several media outings on TV and radio I think it's probably fair to say more in 12 hours than his predecessor Dee Forbes had in her entire tenure how do you think he did? I think, you know, he's a good media performer. He, he always has been and he has the capacity to be blunt. I mean, some people might say too blunt in, in some areas. Like, as I said, he spoke for Ryan Tuberty when he said um, that Tuberty hadn't seen this coming. But he was frank. I think they were good interviews. He let us know how close they'd been and what the details of this new contract would have been. I mean, it is actually now very important pay transparency at RTE. It was useful to know, you know, what that it was, 170,000 that they were close to agreeing on. So Kevin Backhurst has a number of different audiences, you could say. He has, you know, first and foremost, perhaps uh, Ryan Tuberty's lawyers who are, who are listening to all of this. He has the broader public, perhaps the most important overall. RTE is trying to restore that sense of trust and stem the the tide of people refusing to renew or buy a licence fee. If you have a kind of a sense of calm authority that you can project, which I think has always been Kevin Backhurst's strength, then that is very useful. Um, you, you know, he, he sort of sounds reasonable, you know, so so people think that he is. Um, and then, of course, the third audience is the politicians who sort of hold the purse strings here and a lot of the control, a lot of the power ultimately uh, rests with them. So since June, the Tuberty Show, that's the 9am show on Radio 1, has been presented by Oliver Callan and Brendan Courtney, uh, but mostly Oliver Callan, comedian uh, Oliver Callan. Hello everyone, good morning to you, it's Oliver Callan here until 10 o'clock this morning. And uh, things sound a little He was on air on Monday this week and he didn't hold back. He said there's a sense of wrong that we won't be hearing Ryan Tuberty again. But he didn't leave it at that. What did he say? Well, I think it was actually a very professional, careful um, statement by Oliver Callan. That, you know, that was what you said there about there being a sense of wrong. That ended up being the headline. So it sort of sounds like, you know, he, he thinks it was the wrong decision that Kevin Backhurst made when, when he says that, that, that you know, Tuberty should be there, not him. You know, and in a way, like he can't be seen to be sort of dancing on the grave of Ryan Tuberty, especially if he is one of the key contenders to take over the slot on a more permanent basis. Um, but I also think, you know, the rest of what he said, he, he wasn't really absolving Ryan Tuberty of uh, anything. Look, the whole Bloomin' controversy is is a bit of a lesson, I think, as well, on graciously and humbly accepting second chances when they're being offered to you. And in the heel of the hunt. Uh, he's not a hated figure. He's he's not cancelled. He has opportunities aplenty 
And, uh, he was just pointing out that maybe management was to blame for certain things too, that the, the former management of RTE was culpable in a lot of the scandal that had erupted. Uh, we're sorry and sad to see him go, just as we're sorry and sad to see uh, the harm that's been done to RTE by all of, all of the scandals. And uh, there should be a reckoning for all of those behind all of it. The, the, the payments, the golden handshakes, the musical, the junkets, every last flip-flop. But look. It was interesting, the mix of, of statements that he made, you know, that there was fault all across the board, shall we say. Now, he also said, uh, Callan, that is, that it may not entirely matter who is in this chair. And, you know, there's been a lot of speculation over the last few days who, indeed, over the last few weeks, who will replace Tuberty? You, you've written about it, Laura. Um, but I suppose that's assuming that Backhurst and the powers that be in the radio centre stick to that same format. And it always seemed to me that the format of one hour of Ryan Tuberty five days a week was basically sort of built around him as a celebrity. We were expected to listen to 22, 23 minutes of him just chatting about himself at the start of every programme before it went into sort of a magazine type. Program. But it was essentially... The Ryan Tuberty show about Ryan Tuberty. Yes. But do you think now that RTE would be more ambitious than that, uh, than just putting in a, another person into that one hour show, that, that, they'll, that they will in fact take a, shake up the schedule a bit, take the opportunity to, to do that? Well, I think personally that they should. There's definitely a possibility that um, Radio 1 could reduce the number of slots on the schedule. Uh, and I, the reason I say that is that that's because... It's, what do you mean when you say that? Well, it's become a trend in radio generally, especially in commercial radio, to... You know, just stick your presenter on for hours and hours and sort of, sort of, you know, they're like workhorses. Now, admittedly, that is in music radio rather than the kind of format that Radio 1 is. But if you look at the Radio 1 schedule in weekday peak time, which is what we refer to as 7am to 7pm, it has eight slots and News Talk has five. Okay. So you can see there's a huge difference there um, in the approach. Radio 1 has a number of one hour, 90 minute slots and that's why it has so many shows. It also has teams for each of those shows. So it's not as simple as just um, taking one out, but they could, if they chose, have a show from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. and then 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And obviously one of those shows would be the Today Show with Claire Byrne. I sure. don't think anyone because is suggesting. that's really successful, figures-wise. Yes, wise. it's doing really yeah. well. And she, she's very professional and she's, she's mm. very good at that show but I, and so and I wouldn't know I, I couldn't tell you whether that should be on at 9 or 11 my, my feeling would be <laughs> my preference and I don't <laughs> represent the Irish public but my preference would be that the Today show would start at 11 and that between 9am and 11 we would have a little bit of light relief and, and, and sort of opportunity to get rid of our news fatigue and have the Louise Duffy show on for two hours. Now let's open the show with Mr. Bob Marley. Moving into Sinead O'Connor and then something very special from Lisa O'Neill. Welcome to the show. Louise Duffy is a staff presenter at RTE now. She came in to replace Ronan Collins uh, last year. And has done so very successfully. And- I think a lot of people like her. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easygoing. You know, it's music-led. And why not? But the reason I think they won't do this is because of something Kevin Backer said on Morning Ireland 
last Friday to Rachel English and he was talking about this. He, he said, well, I've already started the discussions with the head of Radio 1, that's Peter Woods, and the acting head of content. And, you know, clearly Oliver Callan and Brendan Courtney um, have been doing a good job in the slot. That's the, They have been the fill-ins for Ryan Tuberty. And he said, we have people in the audience that, you know, they're, that the audience have responded warmly to. So those are the short-term options but, you know, there's also the opportunity to step back and say, which presenter do we want in that slot? And also, is the schedule of Radio 1 right? But then he added, I think it probably is, but it gives you an opportunity to look at these things again. So knowing RTE, I, I imagine you're going to err on the side of conservatism. And as I say, each of those shows have separate teams. So it's not as simple as saying, we're just going to get rid of a show the way it might be in a commercial radio mm. environment. Um, but it, 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 it wouldn't be against the grain of the industry if they were to take out a slot. Coming up, I continue my conversation with Laura Slattery after this short break. Now, Ryan Tuberty has been with RTE, you know, in one form or another, man and boy. He's gone. I think it's, it's fair to say that a lot of people are going to miss him. And, you know, for these people, this decision probably seems quite cruel. I think there is certainly um, a constituency that respected and admired him. I don't know if they necessarily loved him the way, you know, people like Gay Byrne were loved, but that was a different era when we all kind of flocked to to one station. We didn't have choice. Um, so... As I said, his ratings were very healthy. You know, the the, the most recent JNLR showed that he had 334,000 listeners. It's a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, and for, 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 for a lot of times in recent years, that was the second most listened to show. You know, Ryan Turbidi always had an inheritance of listeners from Morning Ireland, but... He, he held on to quite a lot of them and mid-morning radio, especially since the pandemic and people working from home, has become more popular than it used to be. You know, people are listening at that nine, you know, after 9am time. So it is important. And I think people warmed to him during that COVID period because he was sort of able to address their fears directly, but, you know, do it in a kind of reassuring way. Some, I mean, other people felt he, he preached a little bit. It became a little bit of a pulpit, uh, both his radio show and the Late Late Show. But, you know, there's a kind of better the devil you know with radio in particular. And, yeah, I, I, I think people might feel as well, there's also maybe a little bit of anxiety whenever, you know, the institution is seen to win over the individual, you know, no matter how highly paid that individual was, if it's their employer who seems to, who is seen to be uh, victorious, um, that doesn't sit well with a lot of people, I think. Um, you know, you, you might feel a little bit queasy about that, even if you could see why, you know, Kevin Backers came to that decision. And, you know, speaking of, of feeling queasy, I mean, I've been slightly uncomfortable over the last few days about all the speculation on his career. You know, what is Ryan Tuberty going to do next? Because, you know, after all, he he's a person out of a job. And but then, of course, then I thought, well, actually, you know what? It's valid to talk about it, because actually, when you talk about that, you're actually talking about the Irish media landscape. Yeah. So 
What do you think he might do next? Well, it's funny because I did have a piece about this in the newspaper the other day and I got a, what was a very nice email from a reader saying it, it started and they don't all start like this. No reflection on your writing ability, Laura. Okay. <laughs> but who cares? Was the next bit. You know, they were just one of the people who's, who's sick of this entire story and those people certainly do exist because it has been an avalanche of headlines about Tripoli and RTE over the summer. Um, but we, we can see that they're all being, you know, really well read. <laughs> there certainly is interest in them. And as you say, it is, it does reflect something underlying, that uh, underlying importance. Which in this case, um, whether or not there's plurality in the Irish media, is there space for a personality like Ryan Tuberty, a big name with a, with a sort of big salary expectations? And I thought earlier this year when he stepped down from the late, late, that he was in a very good earnings position. You know, I wrote a piece of that <laughs> effect. But uh, now, as I said, without that bedrock on the Radio 1, I'm, I'm not sure. It, it looks a bit more fragile. Um, you know, I, I think there's no reason why he couldn't get work at the BBC again, like those kind of stand-in, fill-in jobs. They do like Irish voices on the BBC. So although he hasn't done any since 2015 and, you know, there's different executives there and now, uh, you know, the, the, there's a lot of coming and goings at, um, at BBC Radio 2. There's no reason why he can't be a the substitute there. There's Radio 5 Live. There are a few avenues there. I'm not sure if he's the right fit for news talk, but it could happen. Now, part of his contract that he was negotiating with Backers was he going to do a podcast for RTE. Uh, some people have left to RTE, specifically Louise McSharry, who had a very successful program on 2FM, and she left. And when she left, she launched she launched a podcast that seems, you know, to do fairly well. Could you see Tuberty going out on his own doing that without the without the comfort of RTE? I think that was part of his plan before all this. Um, I think he wanted to do like, for example, a, a books podcast. I think that was on his mind, um, or or, or some, something along those lines. I I don't know for sure. And there are podcast platforms that will sort of cut, you know, revenue partnership deals with you, and you know, there may even be a sort of a signing fee in some some cases. Um, but I mean, the podcast market is probably a little bit more perilous than it was even six months ago. A lot of those uh, companies have started to cut back and cut back on jobs. And uh, we've seen what, what what's happened with Spotify. You know, that they, they sort of have these high profile flops, and then they sort of take it out on all the people who are producing really solid, interesting podcasts, and say we don't want any more of that. So it's a very crowded market. I think he. He is a big name, so I think if he gets the right vehicle, I mean, we obviously know as well he has a, a keen interest in, in history. Um, you know, there's a there's a U.S. presidential election happening not too far from now. You know, he could marry his, <laughs> um, as we know, his JFK obsession. Um, obsession to present day U.S. politics and be a kind of an authoritative but still entertaining voice on all the, the currents that are happening in in America, in America. I think that's actually a good idea. I've just had on the spot. I'm willing to produce it, Ryan. <laughs> and, <laughs> no. he, and of course, we know he's got a good agent who can strike a deal. Now, but we know that, look, there's a lack of opportunity in the broadcast market. This is Ireland's a very small market. Um, 
And that now, when we look at it coldly, it does make the very high salaries paid by RTE difficult to understand. Though, you know, you could argue that 170 grand, which was the offer on the table for Tuberty for five hours of broadcast radio a week, that was a fairly boomy kind of price. Was Shuni Raleigh right when she said RTE has been bidding against itself? Is this the proof of it? RTE was was rocked, I think, when uh, Pat Kenny was poached by a news talk, which is actually just like 10 years ago now. It's almost exactly to, uh, to the day when, <laughs> it's funny, I just remember this uh, recently, that they had a autumn season launch event in Montrose and Pat Kenny had just left and Oliver Callan was hosting oh. this launch and he started it with a kind of a sort of a mock wake for, for Pat Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting that you know yeah. if were they to have a la- uh, season launch this year, which they're they're not, um, <laughs> Oliver Callum could go in and do the same for Ryan Tuberty. But they were rocked by Kenny's departure. You know they just certainly didn't want it to be the beginning of a you know tide of exits, and there was rumours that Newstock was stiffing around Joe Duffy and they didn't want him to leave. And, you know, I think they sort of battened down the hatches a little bit. I think maybe the biggest mistake that they made was they made some high-profile signings later on that were maybe they couldn't really afford, to be honest with you, and were out of whack with with what those people could deliver in, in terms of audiences. A forensic accountant report examining RTE's barter account will be delivered to government this week. Meanwhile, the Arathas Media Committee is inviting the board and Director General Kevin Backhurst to attend a hearing next month to discuss the ongoing payment. So far, we've had the two reports from Grant Thornton about the circumstances around payments to Ryan Tuberty, but we're still waiting on an array of other investigations. So there's the Mazars examination of Orty's barter account. There's Grant, another Grant Thornton's investigation into the toy show The Musical, which should be entertaining in itself. There's an expert advisory committee to assess RTE's corporate governance framework and the organisation culture. And there's another expert advisory committee to look at RTE's contractor fees payment, uh, human resources and, uh, and you know, other related issues. So Kevin Backhurst clearly has a lot of issues in his in-tray, quite apart from the whole Ryan Tuberty thing. What will his priority be? I think his priority has to be trying to get as much financial support from the government as he possibly can. I mean, in a way, it's a sort of a bit of a sort of a, <laughs> like, you know, we talk about this as if it's all, you know, up for grabs, but the government will do whatever the government wants to do, no matter what Kevin Backhurst says. That That's my feeling about it. The latest suggestion is that there'll be a package of about 20 million for RTE in the budget, but I'm sure, I'm sure RTE have sought more than that. Is 20 million a lot in the context? 20, 20. I mean, it's not really, but it just depends on what you expect RTE to do. I mean, we've been here before, you know, where they, they've tried to um, reduce expenses slash costs and you could say it was a little bit strategic that they picked something like you know Lyric FM because I think it was maybe known that politicians were never going to let that one fly they weren't going to let Lyric FM shut down but um, some of the other services like do bring in advertising money so it's not a, you know it's not a straightforward equation you just cut that and then and then you have that money uh, I think it's actually interesting at the moment. Um, we're seeing this uh, loss of license fee sales and renewals income compared to last summer, 
which I think is probably a good deal of that is to do with this uh, fallout from so that's the kind of a quiet resistance, if you yeah, like. On yeah, the part, on I the mean, part it, it could be a little bit of you know cost of living issue with it. Some some people may not be paying it because they just can't they can't afford to pay it right now. They maybe they've just paid for a holiday or their children's summer camp or something, and they might end up paying it later. In, in ter- absolute terms, the, the money isn't that high just yet, but it it risks becoming a problem, a snowballing issue that, you know, that they can't stop. And, it you know, people are, are rightly hearing um, all these politicians saying that this is an outdated charge and we shouldn't have this charge. And they're thinking, oh, well, then I won't pay it. And what has Catherine Martin, she's, she's the minister over this, what, what has she been saying? Well, I think she was away for part of the period, but initially she was very kind of casual, I think, about whether or not people should definitely pay their licence fee. She perhaps could have been a little bit um, more supportive in, in, in what she said initially. But I'm sure I'm, I'm sure that is, you know, there will be another go at the message at some, at some point. You know, RTE has a lot of asks in for the, the, the budget. Um, so Catherine Martin is involved in all of this, but, you know, so is Michael McGrath, so as Minister for Finance. So these talks are kind of underway all the time. You know, they, they, start, they, they started the day um, Kevin Backhurst uh, got the job and there was a sort of an attempt to sort of say, oh, we're not going to deal with this. We're not going to reform anything until we sort out, you know, RTE's uh, payments transparency and until we get all these reports in. I don't know if that that's you know really going to fly in this situation where partly because of what politicians themselves have said, the situation is is getting worse and worse uh, by the by the week with with public funding. So they are actually dependent on the public ultimately to pay their license fee unless they shift the balance in favor of exchequer funding. We're at the end of August. Uh, this is very much the season the week really for traditionally for autumn schedule launches. So on Monday, you were at the TG Car launch. Next week, you'll be going to the Virgin Media launch. RTE have always done very ritzy, razzmatazz launches of their new schedules. When is that going to be? Well, they're not having one this year. <laughs> okay, maybe not too surprising, but still. I mean, it was the something... The show is not going yeah, on. Yeah, anyway. I mean, it was something I remember, you know, I did talk about about this to them last year and like for RTE they have such a broad schedule of all the you know Radio uh, 1 stuff the 2FM they have all the the sort of documentaries on RTE fact big entertainment shows there's a lot to brag about and then yeah and then sport obviously Hmm. in RTE too Um, it's almost too much to write about in one day and you know a lot of the uh, the sort of tabloid press and you know which gives RTE most of the the coverage you know maybe they aren't as well resourced as they used to be you know I certainly know in sort of broadsheet land um, you know there is less print space as well so there's only so much you can write about on one day and then after that everything sort of becomes a little bit stale. So there is a lot of merit in having separate kind of promotional sort of mini events and press releases, which is what they're doing this year. Okay. But at the same There's time... There's not much razzmatazz now in a press yeah. release. <laughs> at the same time, it does sort of take away the risk of anyone kind of going off message because a lot of the time these events are RTE presenters interviewing other RTE, you know, presenters slash actors slash comedians. And yeah, you, you, that could... Um, 
that could get a little bit sharp, you know, or somebody could sort of um, go off on one in, in, in a way that, for a start, it's going to be written up about straight away by the room full of journalists. But also, it might just spiral into something else. So it, it, it may just be better not to, to take that um, unpredictability out of the equation. And also, you know, the, the choice would be either to rent a venue off-site at you know, some cost and then have people criticising them for doing that or have it on site um, at Montrose and have staff just irked by the sight of people trying to pretend that everything is okay when it's not. So, uh, yeah, there's no there's no launch this year. But, I, you know, maybe next year. Who can say? Okay, Laura, we'll watch this space. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Bernice. That's it for today. For more Irish Times journalism, including Laura Slattery's in-depth reporting on the media sector, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode was produced by Declan Conlon. In the news, we'll be back on Friday. <laughs>